Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, senior pastor of Genesis in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alum, which means we've spent time laughing, growing, and being transformed in Christ's presence in community with other leaders. Thanks, Ruth. And hey, we've appreciated the great response we've had to the first five seasons of the podcast, and we would love to bring more seasons and expand what we're doing with the podcast, but all those things take financial resources. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, we'd like to invite you to become a monthly patron by visiting transformingcenter.org slash patron. That's transformingcenter.org slash patron. You can choose what level of support you would like to give, and you'll get some exclusive bonus content for becoming a patron. Thanks so much for considering it. I also want to let you know that this season, we're walking through Ruth's newest book, which is called Invitation to Retreat. We're going to have one episode per chapter, and we encourage you to purchase the book and read along with us. When you buy the book from the Transforming Center, you're going to receive a signed copy from Ruth and some exclusive bonus offers. So visit thetransformingcenter.org to learn more. Episode two is called Just Flop Down, maybe my favorite chapter title of a book you've ever done. <laughs> and um, I love it in part because I know you get a lot of people saying, I would love to retreat or must be nice to go on a retreat, but I just can't mm-hmm. manage it. What do you say to those people? Yeah. Well, there is an Emily Griffin quote, and Emily wrote the book Wilderness Time, which was you know an earlier book about retreat. But she says, when should I make a retreat? When there's no time to do it. That's when you most need to unclutter the calendar and go apart to pray. And so I just think that's so interesting. She says, when the gridlock of your schedule forbids it, that is when your heart beats against the prison walls of your enslavement and says, yes, Lord, I want to spend time with you. So even the prison walls of your enslavement to see this idea that I'm too busy, well, that's a place of enslavement then. Have you ever thought of your busyness as being bondage? Have you ever thought of your busyness as being a place of enslavement for you? And what she's saying is that at the very moment when you think you don't have time, that is the moment that you need it the most. And that is a piece of wisdom that I have really taken to heart, that when I'm feeling most like I can't, that's probably the time when I most need it. And what do I need to do to make it happen? And so... I opened this chapter actually with a story about getting ready to go lead a retreat, realizing that I was jealous of the people that I was going to lead because I wanted a retreat and I hadn't had one for a long time. And you know, it's kind of a dangerous thing when a retreat leader feels jealous of the person that they're getting ready to go lead. Like, you've got what I want, you know? And so I realized, wow, I, I, it feels like I don't have time, but I have to schedule a retreat for myself. And so I actually scheduled a retreat for myself to begin as soon as I finished the one that I was leading, because I just didn't want to be feeling jealous of the people that I was leading on retreat, you know? <laughs> That's so honest. Isn't that funny? That. Of course you feel that way. Of course yeah. you feel that way sometimes. Because I know how good it is. I know how good it is to be on retreat and to be led on retreat. It's one of the best things that can ever happen to you. As we've said, uh, your previous book, Invitation to Solitude and Silence, you write a lot about being dangerously tired, but that was 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So what do you see now that's different? Because it sure feels to me like things have ramped up more and we're even more overwhelmed. I agree with that. And that's what I hear people saying as well. Um, We don't have any of those natural pockets of downtime in our schedules anymore with, with the onslaught of technology. Times that used to be natural moments of 
recollecting ourselves or moments of just being with oneself, you know, like driving in a car. It used to be that you, when you drove in a car, it was downtime because Mm -hmm. you couldn't be talking on the phone or anything like that. Um, It used to be that our work wasn't with us in the evenings because we left it at work, but now we can't leave it anymore. It used to be that we really did take our vacations. Um, It used to be that any down moments like waiting in a doctor's office would be just moments of sitting and maybe reading a magazine or maybe just being with your own thoughts. But none of that is true anymore. Now we're always scrolling. And then I also feel like the ever presence of technology also means that we're always comparing. So my down moments are spent throwing, scrolling through somebody else's Facebook um, mm-hmm. successes or the Instagram, those gorgeous mm-hmm. Instagrams of everybody's families who are doing so perfectly well, the perfect children, the perfect marriage, you mm-hmm. know, and, and even what we do in our downtime actually gets us so, sort of ramped up. Like I'm not doing enough. Or if you are a pastor or some other kind of leader and you're watching what some other organization is doing, cause they're, they're in your Instagram feed or in your in your Facebook or whatever. And so we're always right now opening ourselves up to comparisons that just keep us driven. Like we're never doing enough. That's how it feels to me. Mm-hmm. Like there's more balls to juggle and I'm always comparing myself and I can never do enough to feel like I'm doing enough. I agree with that 110%. I also think um, if you were to ask 10 people, what do you do that really nourishes you? Mm-hmm. My guess is they're going to tell you something that's more like vegging out. It's mm-hmm. more like like collapsing. That's yeah. more like numbing, you mm-hmm. know, um, and that they don't have a real good answer for what is nourishing to you. Mm-hmm. What do you do to unplug? Yeah. And so I think that's why retreat even feels dangerous because mm-hmm. it's like you're going to take away those things. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. Um, so this idea of just flopping down, we're not mm-hmm. talking about numbing out no um we're talking about entering into true rest yes um and and the first invitation of retreat is rest so you've got the invitation to withdraw to put distance between yourself and the battle line but then once you arrive at retreat then the invitation is to just flop down um the invitation is to rest and so you might remember in your own transforming community experience that we always started our retreats at night and that that was extremely intentional why because we knew everybody came in tired and we knew we couldn't give people too much to think about or listen to on the first night. And we knew that in order to be present to God, this person that we really do want to be present to, we had to be more rested than the way we came in. And so we would have one simple teaching on the first night and prayer. And then people went to bed and they were in their rooms by 9.15 or 9.20 and they were unplugged. Like before you come into night prayer, you're supposed to turn your phones off. You're supposed to make sure your family's fine and knows where you are. And, but then you either, you know, turn your phone off or leave it in the car or whatever, but no technology, no stimulation, 9.15 or 9.20 in your room by yourself to rest, not just physically, but also to rest psychically. And I actually think the psychic rest that comes from unplugging is very different even than sleep. I don't know about you, but when I turn my phone off, I just, it's like, oh, wow, nobody can get me. Nobody can intrude on my moment, you know, and and there's a sense that that you rest actually better after you get used to the fact that you're unplugged. Do you experience it that way? Well, you know, it's funny, Ruth, I almost never turn off my phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, just quite honestly, right. I, I, when I plug it in, it's mm-hmm. on and I, so, and I desperately crave time alone. Yeah. I'm, I'm an introvert mm-hmm. and 
I have a hard time. I know. Staying away so from you can technology. sit alone and scroll through your Instagram, I, I right? I swear, <laughs> yes. And that is the biggest right, conundrum right. to me because yes. I, I'm doing the thing I don't want to do mm-hmm. and it doesn't fill me. Right. Um, so like, I wonder, am I so tired that I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not creative enough to, yeah. you know, to actually do something that's, that's nourishing. Right. So to me, that's why having a guide to mm-hmm. guide you through retreat, I want to admit I'm a novice at retreat mm-hmm. and most of us are. So someone like you book like yours that, that really leads us through the movements. Mm-hmm. And especially like you said, it's a simple teaching that you start with on the transforming community and it is. But that teaching is the invitation to name, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, oh, mama. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so to be able to have time alone and the silence right. is such a gift because mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't, you know, maybe you'd, you'd stay talking to people. Right. Yes. Know. We don't even, we don't allow people to socialize or anything on that yeah. first night because we know that even though they might be drawn to socialize, it's not what they most need. No. What they most need is to unplug and start resting. Yeah. I think those of us who are dangerously mm-hmm. tired, we, we can't even really name what we need. Yeah. So, um, okay. During an intense season of your life, your spiritual director gave you this book called When the Body Says No, Exploring the Stress-Disease Connection. Uh, and as you settled into day one of an eight-day retreat, mm-hmm. how often do you do mm-hmm. eight-day retreats, P.S.? Um, once every year or two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's so good. Yeah, shorter ones, but then there is the need for that long one every so often. So your your director said, don't do much or work too hard at anything. Just be. Yeah. Why was that? Or how did that land on you? Well, I was so relieved because... Um, I was aware of what I was bringing to retreat and I had some stuff I wanted to work on, you know, stuff I wanted to pay attention to. And it's not like I didn't know about the invitation to rest at the beginning of a retreat, but somehow having him say it actually gave a little bit more permission. And when I was tempted to get up and try to start, you know, even be productive spiritually, like by reading something (laughs) or journaling something, his voice would actually be in my head saying, don't do anything, just rest. And I think especially when we first come into retreat, when human striving is at its height and we're almost in that automatic, I got to keep doing, I got to keep doing, that we do actually need somebody to tell us to stop. And, And it isn't because we're stupid. It's more that we're addicted you know, that we've, it's, it's like the RPMs of a car. Mm-hmm. When you, when you stop a car really suddenly, the RPMs keep going for a while and you can feel them and you got to sit there and let the RPM settle down. And it's the same experience on retreat is that it takes time for the RPMs of our souls to actually settle down. And sometimes we need somebody to actually say it to us. I think that's so true. So give us, be our guide, give us some instructions about how to let go, how to begin to let go of our attachment to life at home, to work as we begin retreat. Mm -hmm. Well, I do think that some kind of journaling or writing stuff down can really help. Um, And so in the last season, I mentioned this exercise with the trust envelope where you write on a slip of paper, the things you're carrying, carrying as you come in, things that you're having a hard time letting go of, like maybe there's a relationship you know, and I've had it happen many times where somehow I end up having a fight with somebody that really matters to me before I leave on retreat. And that's really hard to let go of. And sometimes you can't fix it, right? I mean, with a spouse or with, with an adult child or even with your parents. I mean, sometimes as much as you want to fix it before you go into retreat, you just can't. And so you honestly say, write down or say to God, I'm having a hard time letting go of this in order to be present here now. Um, 
some of us really like to get all of our tasks finished. Like we want all of our emails answered and all of our voicemails cleared out and, uh, the, you know, the kitchen floor clean and, you know, everything done and in order before we go. And sometimes we can't, we can't accomplish that. And so we write that down. We say, you know, God, it's really hard for me right now to let go of the fact that I didn't get that done before I left. Mm. Um, I think, um, you know, for leaders, sometimes when we leave, when we leave our place of work and vocation and there are things unresolved in that setting, you know, so maybe, maybe our organization is facing a financial shortfall, you know, um, or maybe there's an unresolved relationship there and we're actually afraid of what people might say and do while we're gone behind mm-hmm. our back. Like if yeah. we're gone, you know, when the cat's away, the mice will play. <laughs> yeah. You know, like what are people really going to be doing as I'm gone? I mean, that's a nerve-wracking yeah. sort of feeling. Yeah. Or maybe you're in the midst of discernment on something and it hasn't been completely discerned yet and it's hard to hold it in its unresolved state. Um, those are all the kinds of things that we have to be honest with God about and say, these things are still drawing my psychic and mental attention. It's hard for me to let these things go and be fully present here now. And maybe either putting them in an envelope marked trust or doing some journaling and saying, you know, God, honestly, I'm having a hard time letting these things go. Would you help me to trust you with these things? Anything we can do to not dismiss them, but to actually let them come fully to our consciousness and then writing about them and consciously giving them over to God, I think is, is extremely important at the beginning yeah. of retreat. Are there, how do you talk to people, your family, your business associates, when you're preparing to really disengage? What do you tell them? Mm-hmm. Well, it dep- I mean, you tell them things that are age appropriate. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I first started practicing solitude and silence and retreat when I had a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a newborn baby. People sometimes, you know, because they know me now, they don't realize that my first work around all of this invitation to solitude and silence emerged from that stage of my life Mm -hmm. when I had a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a newborn. So um, we would explain to the girls in age-appropriate ways, you know, mommy will be a better mommy if she Mm -hmm. has some time to spend with God. Um, And then for the longer retreat things... I wish I could remember better how we talked with our kids about that, but they knew where I was. They knew what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and back to, you know, you made the point at one point that spouses have to work together. Yeah. If you have children, spouses have to work together to give each other retreat time. And I'm you know really grateful to my own husband who never did um, resist at all when he knew and I knew and we knew that it was time for me to get away and be with God, that there was never any sense of resistance about that because... We, we were we were deeply in touch with the need for that. My wife and I both separately go on retreats, mm-hmm. and um, way we try to do it is, hey, I'm feeling the need for mm-hmm. two or three days. Could we break out our schedules, mm-hmm. and could we right. could we find right? Could we find that time, mm-hmm. and what can I do to help you prepare? Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's all that stuff because, and it starts with we both realize. You're better mm-hmm. if you do this, and I'm better if I if I do mm-hmm. this. So we're going to work together at, mm-hmm. at, at really making it happen. Um, <laughs> I have we have people in our communities. <laughs> one guy in particular who's just so so funny, but he says that if he doesn't if he doesn't get away on retreat often enough, his secretary will actually push him out the door and out. say, "I think it's time for you to go on a retreat," and literally almost push him out the door. Isn't that hilarious? Because People yeah. can see that oh, we're yeah. just not our best selves when we oh, keep yeah. just pushing and pushing and pushing. I love that story. That is great. 
And it's funny, but it's, it's kind of like it's funny and it's true. Hey man, get out of my face. <laughs> That's right, because you are crazy. not your best self right yeah, now. It drives me crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Um, any other things that you can think of, Ruth? You've you've given us such a good list, but as as we prepare to go on a retreat. Well, never feel guilty for starting your retreat time with a nap or with a night of sleep. Um, how many times have I crawled my way into retreat, can barely get your clothes off and get in bed? You are so, mm -hmm. so tired and don't ever feel bad. And then you wake up in the morning and maybe you have breakfast and you pray a little bit or read a little bit and then you realize I'm still tired. Mm -hmm. And so what do you do? You, you just flop down. You keep mm -hmm. resting until you're able to be alert in God's presence. And again, that's why extended periods of retreat actually give us a chance to deeply rest body, mind, soul, and to keep going back to rest as much as we need it until we really do come back into a place of being refreshed and replenished. And given how tired many of us get now in our everyday lives, I think the longer retreat in particular gives you an opportunity to rest deeply and to come to a place of being completely rested before, before you know, you do any of the quote spiritual work or the spiritual listening or the discerning that you think God might have for you. So, um, the first thing, any retreat, the first invitation of retreat is to rest ourselves in God, period, and don't ever feel guilty about it. Mm. Thank you for saying that. I think even going on retreat sometimes, you can feel guilty. Mm -hmm. People can make you feel guilty. That's right. Again, must be nice. You know, that, yes, that whole thing, I know, like, oh I gosh, know. Kill me now. Yeah. Um, so we, you've mentioned several times here about the importance of restful sleep. But let's even get tangible about yeah. that. How do you prepare mm -hmm. to actually get restful yeah. sleep? Well, I do think many people these days need some sleep therapy. Mm -hmm. You know, to, they need to fully know what their sleep rituals need to be in order for them to, to rest. So I think we, we need to shut our screens down sooner than we do. Um, a lot of the research says that you need two hours, that the blue screen mm -hmm. stimulates your brain. And so to shut it down by 8 o'clock at night can be a very good thing to do so that your mind can stop working at that level. Um, I think a night prayer of some sort um, that really has to do with trusting yourself to God while you sleep, trusting cares and concerns to God, um, recognizing that God is with you like a loving parent as you sleep, loving you and, you know, um, holding you and caring for you and your concerns. Um, that a night prayer that enables us to, to trust ourselves to God, something a little better than now I lay me down to sleep, something better than that. But um, asking God to give you the gift of rest during your night prayer. Um, for many people, a hot shower or a, or a good bath can really help with that. I mean, I, I can't, I don't go to sleep without a bath because it's just, that's what helps me mm. to, to get into a different space, mm -hmm. you know, in, in my body. Um, so I think all of those things, a cup of tea, you know, having, having a cup of tea at night, a herbal tea, something like that. Um, you know, if you're with husband and wife, maybe just holding one another at night and relaxing in that way before going to sleep. All those things are things that can just help us enter into rest. Because I think it's hard for the body to go, 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 and then in a, just in a heartbeat actually, you know, lay down and rest. And of course, sleeping becomes more of a challenge as we age. But there are things we can do to help us. And I think to even ask God to give us rest becomes important. It's, the Bible says that God gives sleep to those he loves. God, would you give me, you know, sleep tonight as an expression of your love for me? I would receive it gladly. So, so those are some of the things we can do. Yeah, I agree with all those things. And even I, it's reminding me of a practical thing. For years, I couldn't find the right pillow. Like, yes. I just, I couldn't mm -hmm. find one yes. firm enough. 
And then my chiropractor said, have you ever tried a water pillow? Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? I didn't even. Mm -hmm. And I I bought one and And it it was Mm -hmm. still amazing. So even a very like to to continue exploring, what do I need to get restful sleep? And so when you go away on retreat Mm -hmm. to a retreat center or whatever, don't feel bad about taking your pillow or taking a quilt. If you'd like the weight of a quilt on your Mm -hmm. bed, I've always taken a pillow with me everywhere I go uh, and a bathrobe. So those two things are just, Mm -hmm. I I just need those for my comfort. And so that means I take a kind of a big suitcase. There's running jokes in the transforming center about Ruth and her baggage, but you know, we're not going to talk about that. But I remember when I went, I went to a speaking engagement once and I was, and Bob Mulholland, who was, became my teacher and my mentor, um, we he he was speaking at the same thing and so the person picking us up picked us both up at the same time and he came down the, you know down the airport hallway with this huge suitcase or two of them i think and i said wow you know you don't think of men yeah, traveling yeah. with so much luggage and baggage and he said he has to bring two pillows wherever he goes and so one suitcase was just for two pillows and i'm like well thank you mm-hmm. now i no longer feel so embarrassed about who i am and bringing my pillow everywhere i go you know it's i these things matter yeah they do because we're human beings yeah. we're you know we bodies yeah we, we do yeah. so well uh so this idea of just flopping down of not working too hard of, mm-hmm. of making sure that we prepare ourselves for retreat and for good sleep thank you mm-hmm. uh is there a way you want to end this episode Well, I think just let yourself feel the invitation to rest. Let yourself feel your tiredness. Let yourself hear Jesus saying to you, come away with me and rest a while. Um, Imagine yourself in a resting place, crawling into bed, the blanket, maybe representing God's covering and God's love for you, uh, laying your head on a pillow as an expression of trust, um, pulling the covers up over your shoulders and imagining God holding you and putting his arms around you. Um, Just allowing yourself to envision yourself resting in God as the first step on retreat and allowing yourself to feel drawn into that would be beautiful. Love it. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We know there are thousands of podcasts to choose from, and we are grateful you spent the last 30 minutes with us. If God has stirred something in you about your own leadership experience, maybe God is inviting you to begin your own journey of leadership transformation. I was a part of Transforming Community Number 6 way back in 2011, and it was such an important part of my spiritual journey. Transforming Community is a practice-based spiritual formation journey with nine quarterly retreats. The Transforming Community is designed to integrate your spirituality and leadership, helping you reclaim practices and experiences spiritual seekers down through the ages have used to open themselves to God's transforming work. Thank you so much for your support of the Transforming Center and this podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. These reviews and ratings increase the visibility of the podcast. Thanks so much.